Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen each day. It's a difficult time to be a Jets fan, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about our favorite team. On today's show, we are going to talk about where things currently stand for the New York Jets franchise after an ugly loss to the Denver Broncos. We're going to talk about how we got to this point and what expectations should be for this season ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our episode today is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I mentioned on Monday that I think that the loss to the Denver Broncos was going to take two shows to fully break down. Yesterday, we talked about what went wrong for the New York Jets in that game, and if you did not get a chance to listen yet. I hope you will, but if you want the short version of it, everything went wrong for the Jets in that game. On today's show, I want to talk about where things currently stand for the New York Jets franchise. But before we get to that, I think we have to discuss how we got to this point in time. For close to a decade, there has been a word that has been thrown around by the Jets, by the media, by fans, You've heard it over and over, really, since 2013. And that word is rebuild. I've been hearing it forever, that the Jets are rebuilding. The Jets are rebuilding. And quite frankly, it hasn't been the case that frequently in this stretch that the Jets have embarked on anything resembling a rebuild. Now, let's go all the way back to 2013. The Jets were coming off a disastrous 2012 season. They went 6-10. and They made the Tebow trade. They made a lot of ill-advised moves in the previous offseason. Mike Tannenbaum was fired. John Idzik was brought in. Now, I do think John Idzik wanted to rebuild this team. But there were issues. The first is that the Jets forced him to keep Rex Ryan as his head coach. And, you know, I don't want to get back to that too deeply because I know a lot of people remember Rex, Rex fondly. And they should. Rex has a special place in this franchise's history. I'm not even necessarily saying that keeping Rex was the wrong move, but the way the Jets did it was a disaster. It set things up for failure because the Jets forced any general manager who took the job after Tannenbaum to keep Rex aboard. And ultimately, this was something that kind of undermined Idzik, I think, because while Idzik wanted to rebuild, everybody in the organization was not on the same page. And it's really important for everybody in the organization to be on the same page. Rex was coaching for his job in 2013 and especially 2014. Now, the first offseason 2013, that was one of those offseasons just the Jets needed to clear the decks. They just needed to take some cap hits. They did not have a lot of room to maneuver. The next offseason, however, the Jets had a lot of cap space. And Idzik did not spend much money. And on some levels, that was a mistake because the Jets did not need to be as... A, conservative in free agency as they were that offseason, especially at the corner position where there was a great group of corners and the Jets were very weak. And I think in some ways Idzik did want to spend the money. He just struck out on a lot of corners. However, 
Idzik, I think, took a long-term view of the franchise. He wanted to build for the long term. He wasn't necessarily focused on 2014. That wasn't the case, however, it, throughout the franchise. And Woody Johnson was talking about how he was expecting the team to be in the playoffs. And, of course, Rex needed to win to save his job. So Jets really were not committed to a rebuild at that point. As much as they said they were, they go 4-12 and that season. Everybody gets mad at Idzik. And this was one of the issues with Idzik is – even though he was looking long-term, he did not really have the tools, nor was he empowered to implement any kind of vision. And I, I would kind of argue, knowing what we know now, that that was by design. I don't think the Jets ever wanted to hire somebody to do a major overhaul of the franchise. They kept Rex around. They kept a lot of people on the scouting staff around. They just wanted to make it look like they were making a change for the fan base when they fired Mike Tannenbaum. But they, they did not really want to overhaul the franchise the way it needed to happen. Well, Idzik and Rex get fired. Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles come in. Now, I think the first two years of Mike McCagnan's tenure were kind of interesting because they launched on what they called a competitive rebuild. And this has become a term that people have mocked. I think it's possible to be competitive while you're rebuilding. I think there are a couple different ways where you, you, you try and rebuild. McCagnan went out. He was very active in free agency. And I don't, again, I don't have an issue with that because, first of all, the Jets were near the cap, the salary floor. There's a salary floor in the NFL. It works different from the calf, but the Jets essentially needed to spend money or they'd lose it. That's how it works. It's th- there's not really a hard cap, a, a hard floor in the calf, but essentially the way it works is every couple of years, if you don't spend enough money, you, it's essentially wasted. So McCagney was very aggressive in free agency, but the real focus had to be the draft. The moves in free agency were to bring stability for the short term while you were hoping to build a longer-term foundation of players who were drafted who in two to three years would become the core of the roster. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult balance because essentially you're, you're signing guys to make your team competitive now and you're hoping those guys perform while the guys you drafted develop. Well, as it turns out, McCagden signings worked for like a year and then everybody got old in 2016. Unfortunately for the Jets, the drafted players did not really develop. So after 2016, McCagnan essentially had to reset. And that led us to the last two, two and a half years of the McCagnan tenure, which I can only describe as like a football version of a Ponzi scheme. I mean, it's kind of silly to say that, but that's kind of what the last two, two and a half years of the McCagnan tenure were to me, because it was always this promise that we're going to be great. We've got a great plan in place. We've got all this cap space we've set up. We're going to get a quarterback. It was all these promises about what was to come in the future. There was always more cap space in the future. It was always, we're always going to make moves. And it never got better. And the Jets never made the moves they needed. You know, when you're talking about rebuilding, the most important part is building. And then the 2019 offseason came and McCagnan had to spend money. And he did. And the Jets entered the 2019 season with the third oldest roster in the NFL. And this was another aspect of the late McCagnan tenure is that the Jets were the last two years of his tenure. Although I don't know if he, what you count 2019 as, but 2018, which was his last full year, and 2019, a team that he built were both older than the league average. And the Jets were still trying to sell you on the idea that they were rebuilding. And they go out and hire Adam Gase from a division rival. We won't go too deep into that, but one of the big rationales behind hiring Gase was that he was an experienced head coach so he would not need on the job training 
well, the Jets are still selling selling you on the idea, well, we don't need to be a playoff team in 2019. And of course, things happen. McCagden gets fired. Joe Douglas comes in. And Adam Gase kind of took control of the organization. And the Jets were still selling us on the idea that, you know, we don't necessarily need to be a playoff team. Meanwhile, you've got this coach you hired because you said there'd be no on-the-job training. You spent so much money in free agency. You had the third oldest team in the NFL in 2019. You're selling us You're selling us on the idea we don't need to make the playoff. How does that make any sense? People were saying rebuilding. It wasn't rebuilding, though. I mean, I think there's a common theme that's coming through. The Jets were not really rebuilding at any of these points. Aside from maybe like early in the Isaac era where not everybody was on board and maybe a little bit early in the McCagden era. But for the last couple of years, the Jets have not been rebuilding, even though you've heard that word go on over and over and over. So Gase takes over. And in 2019, of course, McCagden goes. And it was actually, if you look at the timing of what happened, Gase, that's the one thing Gase did that was smart, was getting McCagden fired when he did. Because the timing of it guaranteed that McCagden had built the team. And it gave Gase a scenario where he could take credit for anything that went right and blame McCagden for anything that went wrong. He guaranteed himself job security. It was actually one of the few smart things Adam Gase did as head coach was ensure his own survival through 2020. Well, as we we know what happened in 2019, the Jets got off to that terrible start. They were out of the race by September. And then they play better in the second half against a weaker schedule. Joe Douglas takes over in the 2020 offseason. You can kind of see the direction this is going. Douglas does not make any big moves. He maybe signs a couple one-year Band-Aid players trying to fix some positions in the short term, but none of them really work. And you could tell Gase was probably not long for the job because Douglas was not signing long-term players to fit Gase's system. And 2020 looked like an evaluation year because the Jets did not have a lot of room to maneuver that offseason. They did not have ample resources to make big roster changes. So 2020 essentially turns into an evaluation year. The Jets are not really focused. You could just tell the way they approached the offseason. They did not think they had a team that could win. They were trying their best, but they they did not expend a lot of resources. They were not willing to use future resources to improve the 2020 team. And the team ended up being awful 2-14. and So finally this offseason, the Jets clear the deck. They decide to go to a deep rebuild. The first deep rebuild the Jets have committed to in this entire time, this entire stretch where we've been hearing about rebuilds, the Jets get rid of a bunch of players and they decide to go really young. I mean, look at how many young players are playing on this roster through the first three weeks of the season. You have seven rookies playing at least a quarter of the snaps, and that could be eight if it wasn't for injuries. You also have a bunch of second year players contributing. This is finally the rebuild. This is finally like a deep rebuild where you're just totally resetting. You're totally committing to being younger the Jets, according to one article, there's a writer, Jimmy Kemsky, he's a former SB Nation colleague of mine. He writes at a website, Philly Voice. He's an Eagles writer. Every year at the end of training camp, he compiles the average age of each team in the NFL, their initial 53-man roster. The Jets are the youngest team in the NFL in 2021. They were on the older half of the league in 2018 and 2020. And in 2019, they had the third oldest team entering the season, a year where we heard we don't necessarily need to make the playoffs. So finally, after years where the Jets have not really been rebuilding, this is entering what you could call a legitimate rebuild. Of course, this offseason, the Jets hired Robert Sala as their head coach, and his mantra is all gas and no break. 
If you want to make up to 25 cents cash back for every gallon of gas every time you fill up, just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. And if you'd like to put some of that money you're making cash back down on games, Bet Online is the number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. I want to say thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. We've been talking about how over the last 8 to 10 years or so, we have frequently heard that the Jets were in rebuild mode, but the evidence doesn't really back that up. And this is the first time in that stretch where you can see that the Jets have fully committed to a deep rebuild. And now let's talk about what that means and what our expectations should be. And I think that there's one mistake that's frequently made when a team is in rebuild mode. And we've seen it over the last eight to 10 years when the Jets have been in fake rebuild mode. And that's that the idea that the team is rebuilding excuses any sort of failure. And that's just not true. Just because you're rebuilding does not mean there are no standards. There have to be standards of success. Rebuilding might be an excuse for the team not making the playoffs this year. It may be an excuse for not having a winning record. However, there should be goals. And if those goals are unmet, the season has to be viewed as a failure because the most important part of the word rebuilding is building. And I'm willing to deal with losses this season for the New York Jets. But I cannot say that No matter what happens, nothing matters because the team's rebuilding. You know, the first two weeks of the season, I know some people were probably rolling their eyes. I saw progress. I saw some good things from this team. And I think that there was genuine improvement, even though we saw some losses. And that is an accomplishment. But here's the thing. That cannot be the biggest accomplishment this season. A couple couple of more competitive losses. If that's the best thing you got going, that's tangible. I think that is something. That can't be the best thing to come from this season. I want to see some wins here or there. And then in other games, all right, they played competitively. They played better than last season. You saw signs of progress. What it cannot be is that, oh, we saw some signs of progress. That's the best thing that happened this season. And then other weeks were getting blown out. It's it's tricky because every NFL team inevitably has a game like we saw in Denver on Sunday. So I'm willing to give you one a year, maybe two a year. But if what we saw in Denver on Sunday is happening consistently, this season's not going to be a success. And that's one of the things in the lead-up to the season I've been making the point. Record 
does not matter to a certain extent for the Jets this season. And what I mean by that is you look at all these young players the Jets are playing, there are going to be growing pains. You can't expect 10 wins. I'd love 10 wins. You can't expect it, though. But if the Jets go out there and win two games again this year, if the Jets win three games again this year, I don't see how you can see this season as a success. If you see the kind of effort you saw on Sunday in Denver, I don't see how you can see this season as a success because there was no progress on Sunday. There was no improvement. And while the team is not fully built yet, and listen, it's going to take time to get the Jets where we want them to go. You, know, you don't go from 2-14 and 14 to the Super Bowl overnight. There is a building process. However, that process has begun. And if the process has begun, that means there's no excuse for being as bad as the football team we saw on Sunday in Denver. And that's the type of thing that just cannot happen. It cannot happen again. And again, maybe maybe you have give them a second game. You know, maybe if it happens maybe far into the future, I'll give them a pass, but that's only if I see much better football and that's only if I see victories. Now, was I expecting this team to be great this season? No. And listen, I told you week 1, week 2, there were some good things that I saw. I did not leave those games completely satisfied because the Jets left some opportunity on the tables in those games. I don't think you can ever be completely satisfied when you lose, but I understand it. I understand losses. I understand that there's a learning curve. It's just part of growing as a team. It's part of the building process. As we get later into the season, we're going to start to need to see results. And, you know, I look at some of the more successful building processes from the NFL in recent seasons a lot of teams who have ended up on the rise have gotten off to terrible beginnings of their season. And then as this, as the year has progressed, they've improved. And let me give you a few examples. And I know that these cases are not going to 100% overlap with the Jets. I know every case is different. No two teams are exactly the same. But I'll give you a couple examples of what I'm looking for. How about a rebuilding job Robert Sallow was part of, the 2017 San Francisco 49ers? Sallow was part of a new coaching staff. The 49ers had been dysfunctional for years. There were questions about ownership's capabilities, a situation that in many ways resembles the current one we have with the Jets. And when the Jets hired Sallow, a lot of people talked about the work he had done with the 49ers building them into a contender. What people don't remember is that the 49ers began his first season 0-9. And they finished that season 6-10. Now, again, there are some differences. The big turning point that year for the 49ers was they got a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. So no two teams will ever be the exact same thing, but the 49ers looked hopeless at the beginning of Robert Sala's first season as defensive coordinator with Kyle Shanahan. Sometimes it takes time to build. A year later, you had the Cleveland Browns. The Browns were coming off an 0-16 season. They got their rookie quarterback, Baker Mayfield. They got off to a slow start that season. They began the year 2-6-1. They ended 7-8-1. Now, again, different circumstances. The Browns had a bad coaching situation. Once they changed that, they started to play better. But again, a team that looked really bad at the beginning of a season turned it around. It was the beginning of a rebuilding job. A year later, the Miami Dolphins had just fired Adam Gase. They looked like maybe the worst team in modern NFL history through the first month of the season. Then they began playing competitive games. Then they had the good fortune to play Adam Gase and beat the Jets, got their first win. 
After an 0-7 start, they finished that year 5-11. This is what I'm looking for, and this is why, as irritated as I was on Sunday, I feel like I'm less irritated than a lot of Jets fans. Listen, I wanted the Jets to play better at the beginning of this season. I thought they had the potential to be... I would even say I was expecting it. Listen, I picked them in the first two weeks of the season. Maybe that's part of me being overly optimistic as a fan. I'm disappointed in the performance through three weeks. But I'm not as upset as a lot of people because, to me, the end of the season was always more important than the beginning. Again, Miami's situation is different because the Dolphins were the beginning of their teardown. They did not have their quarterback at that point. They did not have a Corey Davis who was supposed to be producing for them. They did not have the pieces the Jets have right now. But beginning of a rebuilding process, again, young team, I'm more focused on guys getting better as the season goes on, progressing. Listen, I'd much prefer the Jets to be better right now. I don't, I'm not happy with 0-3. I'm certainly not happy with that performance. I don't think a performance like that is a good sign. But for me, it's always been about the end of the year. It's always been about, is the team going to come together once we get to November and December? It's not only about how the team's playing at the beginning of the season, because unlike in years past, this is actually a legitimate rebuilding effort by the New York Jets. Rebuilding an NFL team is difficult. However, rebuilding a car or truck is easier if you use rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com thank you again for making locked on jets your first listen each day we are talking about the aftermath of the jets ugly performance in denver as they were defeated sunday by the denver broncos the final score was 26 to nothing and i think that game has a lot of jets fans worried about the direction of this franchise on today's show i've been talking about the big picture for the New York Jets, how we got to this point and what expectations are for this season. But I wanted to end the show by talking about another really, really important part of this season, and that's the development of Zach Wilson, who's off to a difficult beginning to his NFL career through his first three games, two touchdowns and seven interceptions. And everything I discussed in that last segment goes double for Zach Wilson. It's not the end of the world that he's off to a slow start. Now, listen, I am a little little bit worried because I think whenever you draft a player, at least the way I view it is I kind of have like three scenarios in my mind. This is the absolute best case scenario. This is the absolute worst case scenario. And this is the scenario that's somewhere in the middle. And that's based on the player's traits. I'm thinking, okay, if everything goes right, this is what's going to happen. If everything's going to go wrong, this is what's going to happen. And then maybe a middle scenario. I mean, what we've gotten through the first three weeks is everything going wrong. You know, all of the bad tendencies, his high danger throws, his unwillingness to take easy completions that's in, that are in front of him because he wants to push the ball down the field. Some of the issues I saw at BYU trying to navigate the pocket. It's been bad. But it's also not the end of the world. I wrote an article yesterday, gangreennation.com, and this was actually an article that I had no idea what the outcome was going to be when I jumped into the research. 
I, I, I was interested. What have the career outcomes been of quarterbacks who have thrown seven interceptions in their first three starts? And these were guys who started on day one. And I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. I had no idea if it was going to be a bunch of guys who were great. I had no idea if it was going to be nobody who turned out to be good after throwing seven interceptions and three starts. What I found is in the last 25 years, Wilson's one of only four quarterbacks to throw seven interceptions in his first three starts. One of them was Peyton Manning. One was Deshaun Kaiser. You could not possibly have more opposite career outcomes than those two. So it doesn't really tell you anything. By the way, the, the other one was Trevor Lawrence, who is in the same boat as Zach Wilson. So really difficult to say. And I expanded it a little bit further. And what I found, you know, there were some quarterbacks who had turned out to be great. There were some who turned out to be okay starters. There was one, Kyle Orton, who was kind of an okay backup. And then there were some guys who were just total busts. And there was no real pattern. You could not say that most quarterbacks who throw seven interceptions and three starts get over it and turn out to be good. You could not say most of them turn out to be bad. You could not say most of them turn out to be mediocre. What I saw was that there was no pattern. And what that tells me is we don't really know anything about Zach Wilson. The first three games, as ugly as they've been, give us no real indication as to how this thing is going to turn out for him. So even though you would have liked to have seen better from Zach Wilson, I'm going to say something that is very similar to what I just said about the Jets team as a whole. I was hoping for better. I was even expecting better. But it's not the end of the world. And I hope by the end of the season, Zach Wilson seems like he's putting the pieces together. And of course, these two things are related. The way your quarterback plays impacts your record. I think sometimes we neglect to understand that. I see people saying, well, I'd rather the Jets have a losing record this season with Zach Wilson developing well than a winning record with Zach Wilson developing poorly. Well, the most likely scenario is that Wilson's performance is going to be tied to the team's record. Yeah, of course, there are scenarios where maybe the Jets don't play well and Wilson has a big season. And of course, there are scenarios where the Jets play well despite bad quarterback play. But most of the time in the NFL, your quarterback's performance is tied to your team's record. So if Zach Wilson plays better, the team will play better near the end of the season. And I think that that is more important than what we saw in Denver. As ugly as that was, and listen, we don't want to see many performances like that going forward, and you cannot just dismiss it as rebuilding if you see performances that dismal. If the Jets are playing much better football by November or December, this is going to be a distant memory. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it where podcasts are found. We'll deliver new episodes to your device each day as they're posted. Also, give the show a good review. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow will be our weekly mailbag show.